reality. Maybe we just want to see it in the playoffs so we don't feel like you need to count on somebody else. Someone else who came up big today, Jarek McKinnon. He continues to go off. He had a two-touchdown day. He's had eight touchdowns in his last five games. He also became the first running back in the Super Bowl era with a receiving touchdown in five consecutive games. Guys, we joke about the importance of running backs all the time, but how much of an asset is McKinnon to this offense? I know we've knocked running backs on this very podcast, but he is having himself a season. I, I, it's, it is, it doesn't make sense. I guess he's really important to what they do. And he, if you guys remember, like it, it doesn't feel like we have to be having this conversation the way we are, but last season come playoff time, that's when McKinnon really started to matter for this team again. And at the time we didn't realize that that was going to happen. So it came out of nowhere this time. He's just starting it so much sooner that I guess I wasn't anticipating it. When did Jarek McKinnon become Marshall Falk as a receiver? <laughs> like just like five or six weeks ago, it just like happened because that's what's going on right now. He is incredibly important to what they do because he's the most reliable player they have outside of what Travis Kelsey, most likely. But well, you, you just said it, Cody. When did, when did he become Marshall Falk five, six weeks ago? What else happened five or six weeks ago? Nicole Hartman went down. Yeah. Right. Nicole Hartman and Kadarius Tony have been your line of scrimmage. And Tony's proven to be more versatile than that. He's just new. So they can only deploy him in a, you know, a finite amount of ways. Nicole Hartman knows this whole playbook, but we know who he is, which is we're going to get you the ball, the line of scrimmage. You are a poor man's Tyreek Hill. You can't do as much down the field stuff, but we can get you the ball uh, in the flats and you can turn it up field for a big game, make a couple guys miss because you're one of the fastest guys in the field. With his absence, you need to replace him with someone. And McKinnon has been your third down back. He has become home safety valve. And you would say, well, he's been there the whole time. Like, why didn't they use him like this the whole time? Doesn't really matter. All we know is that even when McColl does come back, McKinnon is now a reliable target. McKinnon is now somebody who Mahomes trusts. Not, not just will he, can I, can I throw him the ball? But he'll make a play. He'll make a guy miss. He'll turn it up field and make something happen. And sometimes you just need to see it. I think when you're a quarterback, you need to see somebody do it before you can trust them. And then you'll trust them sort of reliably throughout the rest of the season. And I think that's what McKinnon has sort of created for himself. The, the pro football hall of fame tweeted about him today. It made history. He's well, I mean, when you're the first running back since 1970 to record a receiving touchdown in five consecutive games, well, that will do it. That will get the attention of the Hall of Fame. That's 60 years of NFL football, and he's the, the last guy to do it. And it's not just like you mentioned, it's it's eight in the last five games. There's a bunch of multiple touchdown games in there. I I still like my biggest thing here still is I, you know, I don't let Clyde get in the way of something good. Okay. Just don't let Clyde show up and even take five or six snaps. The Pacheco McKinnon duo works. Clyde can be active. Clyde can be active on game days and he can sit there in case somebody gets hurt. But he is officially in my, he is a break in case of a break glass in case of emergency situation. Do not alter what it is. Cause like we could have easily, like it's nice to be talking something good about Jerick McKinnon because we could have once again been talking on this podcast about how the chiefs just won't run the ball or just <laughs> refuse to do so. Or that is something they refuse to do in any game. But I understand that part of in the game like today is, Jarek McKinnon is an extension of the running game. All those passes he gets near the line of scrimmage, that's Andy running the ball. 
Whether you want to admit it or not, that's Andy Reid running the football. That's a check down near the line of scrimmage. That's them making an effort on short yardage offense on, you know, guys close to the line of scrimmage offense. And Jarek McKinnon's gotten so good that I don't I don't get his bent out of shape in a game like this when they're not handing it to Pacheco. more. You I was, go ahead, Kayla. No, you can go. Well, I just think about how the season ended last year, right? When the Bengals were basically taunting Mahomes afterwards, saying we knew he would get impatient. We knew he wanted to take shots downfield. And if we just played this way for four quarters, eventually he would start forcing stuff. That's what he did. That's how they got back in the game and ended up winning. Now we, we spent an entire offseason talking about can Mahomes just learn to take what is being given to him? Can he take the underneath stuff? Can he take the short check down stuff? McKinnon is a perfect reminder that he's doing it. He's doing it every single game because McKinnon's not catching anything downfield. Actually, actually, I think there was one today where he caught downfield, but he serves as, as maybe the personification of Mahomes growth as a quarterback, which is we have now seen him for four months, take everything that's given you. You, you want to give him nothing but checkdowns? That's fine. That's why the chiefs are amongst the league leaders in yards after catch. And they still have, more explosive plays, 20 plus yard plays from the past game than any team in the NFL. We didn't even talk about, you know, it's, you know, it's the game got weird, but Mahomes even completed a pass to himself today. As many guys as he'll complete a pass to <laughs> add himself to the list. I'll throw to nine <laughs> receivers and myself. Now, what are you going to do about it? I love that he got a first down out of that. The, the Broncos defense froze like, oh God, what are we supposed to do? Mahomes like, oh, I'm just going <laughs> to jog over here real quick. Pick up this first down and move on about my day. There is nothing he can't do. I'm no. convinced. It's always against Denver, too. He always does something remarkable against them. Guys, are we ready for winners, losers? I think so. I think so. There's a, I think there's a lot of candidates. So I'll go first. That way I'm leaving you with a lot of meat left on the bone. First, the winner of the game, and I and I very strongly considered someone in the wide receiver crew, you know, like Jarek McKinnon had a great game, or maybe I was going to tell you that it was Kadarius Tony who had a good game, and maybe that'll be someone else's answer, which is good. I'm going to go with Sky Moore for a couple of reasons. Sky Moore only had three catches for 33 yards. Fine effort. Showed again that he's good in space. You can see kind of the wiggle he has inside of that. You see those plays where you're like, I want Sky Moore to get the ball more. But also, the punt return fumble today is like, See, it's not just me. So he won for two reasons. He's like, it's not just my problem that punts are going poorly. Everyone's doing it. So leave me alone. But in addition to that, I do still see games at a Sky Moore that make me think there's something untapped there. And I can still give Sky Moore the benefit of the doubt this year for all the things you guys just talked about with the weapons. There are guys to throw to literally everywhere. Noah Gray, Jarek McKinnon, Juju Smith-Schuster, MVS, Justin Watson. He's up against it as far as getting targets, getting snaps, getting real looks in the offense. But anytime he touches the ball and has just even a little bit of space, I still see that spark. Cody, did you hit us with your Broncos stat about kids and... Oh, I didn't. So that was... I consider that as winners. Um, winners also across... Oh, two winners today. And then I'll give you my loser. Winner... The other winner is... My, my daughter is in kindergarten... Or in first grade. And if you are in any grade below third... So if you're in third grade or younger... You have lived your entire life not knowing that the Chiefs have ever lost to the Broncos. You're just kicking it. You're nine, ten years old. You're just like, that's ah, fine. I don't even know what this means, right? Seven. You're just like sitting around learning about long division, not even understanding <laughs> that the Chiefs are capable of losing 
to the Broncos. It's a lovely day for that. The losers for me are, I think that this is, you know, like I told you, I didn't feel nearly as bad coming out of this game, but I think the loser today is the chief streak of staying healthy. Had a good run. It was pretty sweet. All those graphics of look at the healthiest teams going into the NFL playoffs were the Chiefs. I hope that this week treats them kindly, but Tooney having to leave the game, that wasn't great. And then Sneed, who was desperately trying to score a touchdown, trying to get a pick six after his interception, he left the game early. And then we saw Travis Kelsey real slow at the end of the game. I hope none of these impact the postseason, but this is the most injured I felt like the Chiefs were for a while, especially because McCall Hardman had a setback earlier in the week, too. Kelsey looked like he got beat up today. I didn't yeah, like he that. Did. He looked like he was going through it. Yeah. Uh, Kayla, do you want to go or do you want me to go? Um, I can go. All right. Take it away. Uh, my, I have two winners as well. One is the referees. <laughs> <laughs> wow. A rare winner for this. A rare ref winner. Yes. That never happens to us, but I feel like we need to praise it when it does happen. Um, and then second is McKinnon. I'm going with the obvious answer. Breaking records. Having a day really coming into his own, proving himself. I like the momentum he has as we close out the season, going into playoffs. I love his confidence. Um, And my loser, I don't like doing this because I really like him as a person. Here's some Bucker. Mm. Well, that's feels like it's a, a pretty safe one though. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's he might a- win. He might win. If we do a year in regular season winners and losers award, Bucker might win the losers award. Oh. He might oh. take home the trophy. What, what a strange turn year? of events. Yeah. I never yeah. would have seen this coming. And I blame, I do blame it all on the injury. Had that never happened, I don't think he would be having the season he is. Okay. So my loser is going to tie into that. Uh, but I'll start with my winner. And uh, this is probably the fourth time I've given this guy the winner. I don't know if either one of you guys have given him the winner one time. George Karloftis again. Uh, of course it's George Karloftis. Georgie, <laughs> <laughs> Georgie. Pudding pie gets you're just like saying that. Of course, I like saying that. And also, (laughs) by the way, I'm also one of the winners this week because the Chiefs were holding up yellow signs on the sideline today to like signal plays. And one of them said P.O.R.G. Porge, which I am to assume means like they were trying to signal something to George. And instead of because George is too wordy, they just said Porge, which is short for Porgy. Ipso facto, the cult is strong. <laughs> uh, Georgia Porgy Pudding Pie catching on in a big way. So I'm also, wow. winner, but he has a sack now in four of the last five games, also had a fumble recovery. He has five and a half sacks on the season. That would have been second on the team behind Chris Jones last season, right? And he's already second on the team this year. So this is a guy who in, in one season, right? And he didn't start coming on until about a month and a half ago. It, it took him one year and it took him a few months to get going, but one year he is your second best pass rusher on the team. Well, and, and I, if you would have, if you would have given me that for the year without telling me what it looked like, I would have signed up for it in a heartbeat. Well, I mean, the lions have the guys who are first and second in rookie sacks this year, which is wild in its own right. Um, Cause Aiden Hutchinson has the most, but I mean, he does have more sacks than Kayvon Thibodeau and Trayvon Walker, and guys who were taken with more pedigree and higher than him. He's third in the NFL in rookie sacks. I mean, that's that's all you could have asked and, for. And guys who have five and a half sacks their rookie year, they turn into 10-sack guys. Yeah, and that and this isn't a guy who, like the Chiefs, reached on no. at the end of the first round. He was a guy who, uh, two weeks before the draft, people thought he could be a top 15 pick. So when you take that into account that, right, this is a high, this was a 
a high potential guy who fell in large part because the position that he plays was so strong in this draft. And the Chiefs benefited from that of just kind of sitting on their hands and waiting for him to fall. And when you think back on that, like this isn't just someone that they, well, we need a pass rusher. Who's the best one available? It's like, no, we thought he might go top 15, top 20. We get him at the end of the first round. I think that pick is going to prove to be one of the biggest steals of the draft. This draft looks great just in general. Yeah. McDuffie, Karloft, and just looks like another really good Brett Feach draft. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Brett Beach. Yeah, that was a, that was a good one. All right. My loser is Dave Tobe because when I go back and look at some of the, the special teams miscues today, okay. Tommy didn't have the hold right miscommunication between, between he and Harrison, whatever. Uh, I don't know this for a fact, but if you go and watch the Zapruder film of that missed field goal, it looks like maybe it was tipped at the line of scrimmage. So maybe we don't put that one totally on Butker. And then you have the punt return. These are all different things with involving different players, but there's only one common theme is that one guy coaches them. He's been coaching them all season long. And for whatever reason, the issues haven't went away. I don't know how to fix it, but I know how NFL teams typically try to fix it, which is bring in a new coach. Andy's very loyal, but I'm telling you right now, that seat that Dave Tobe's sitting on is getting a little toasty. Again, if it comes back to the thing at the beginning of the podcast, they lose a playoff game because of it. Yeah. Real hot. Might have a problem. Yeah. I, I want to change my loser to him too. I don't like putting it on Bucker. Uh, it's too late. It's too late. <laughs> got you down for Harrison Bucker. Yeah, Sorry, funny. Nick already wrote it down. It's like locked yeah. in that way. <laughs> <laughs> He's keeping a list. It's like a ledger, an Excel spreadsheet of all of our winners and losers. Yeah. That's right. Okay, fair. Guys, wait, did we have a good New Year's? Didn't even ask at the top of the show. I was in bed before the ball dropped. Wow. I was in my bed before the ball dropped, but I was awake at midnight. So, you know, kind of a win. I went out to dinner at 630 like an old person. I was in bed, had already picked up my kids by 915. And then I just drank whiskey on the couch until it was about time to head (laughs) to the bedroom. Laid down till midnight hit. Called it a day. Perfect. A perfect 38 year old New Year's, (laughs) if you ask me. What about you, Kayla? That sounds great. Well, we had a Kings game during the day. Um, and then I went to a friend's New Year's Eve party at their house. We had a great time. Went out for a little bit after. I was home by like two. <laughs> You're well, we younger than the, We know who had the funnest <laughs> New Year's Eve. <laughs> I stand by my New Year's Eve and I won't I won't be pushed back on that. <laughs> we we actually just it was actually I didn't I didn't even feel bad the next morning because we spent a majority of the evening learning TikTok dances. So I got a good workout in as well. There you go. I also I'll think like, that that uh, that house party is the way to go on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. That that yeah. that's the strong. If you're going to party, do it that way. That's the strong play. Agreed. All right, and with that, that's going to do it for us here on It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. He is Cody Tap. That is Nick Schwartz. I am Kayla Canaram. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. And we will be back with you all on Wednesday.